All right. Welcome to Bible Bitches, where you get fun, Bible stuff, and more. Mostly sass. You just get a lot of sass. <laughs> Mostly sass. Mostly <laughs> sass. I would like to introduce my colleague, nay, friend and colleague, Sarah Hoff, a badass lady who is living in LA, California. That I am. I am here with my business co-owner, Laura Barclay. <laughs> I've got my briefcase right here. She does. She does. I see it. She has tacos in there. Um, it's true. <laughs> she is, of course, from Louisville, Kentucky, and she is a Baptist minister. So think a lot of like Flannery O'Connor kind of mm. ideals, you know, um, very rigid, very, very rigid <laughs> in, her, in her beliefs about God. Yes. Yes. If you know me, you know that I, I don't, I don't mess around. I don't joke around about things. Yeah. Yeah. Have you read any Flannery O'Connor? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just listened to The Violent Bear It Away. And I was like, oh, Flannery. She's very Flannery. serious. Flannery hates religion. She, I feel like Flannery hates everything. Flannery <laughs> hates everything. Flannery is the, like, poster child for why SSRIs are necessary yes it's like um why lexapro because flannery o'connor <laughs> <laughs> stuck in the worst environment ever yes um anyways that's not what we're talking about today um or is it it is not <laughs> it is but it's something equally depressing <laughs> i'm actually wondering if like the time matches up I don't know when Flannery O'Connor was around oh no I think this predates that probably it was in the 18, sure like late 1800s yeah and Flan like uh, Flannery old. Flannery didn't Flannery die in the 60s sounds about right 50s or 60s yeah I don't know she oh. was she's mean and she was hateful so she very easily could have been born in like 1850 and lived <laughs> 1960. Right. She was like a uh, Victorian era, still keeping those vibes in the yeah. 60s. Yeah. <laughs> hate is like, if you want to live a long time, you really need to like dig into your hate. Yeah. You know, I, I, I never get that about the happiness studies. They're always like, oh, do you want to have like a long life? Like, oh, be happy and drink wine with the community. And it's like, I know plenty of battle axes who were like nearing a hundred and it's like, what do you do to, you know, uh, for longevity? And it's like, well, I hate everything. And I, eat, you know, bacon and Everclear. And it's like, <laughs> okay. uh, smoke six packs a day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's like, okay, good. So we all know that we need to really, really like nurture our hatred. Yes. For yes. our individual <laughs> survival. Some sort of, you know, uh, picture of Dorian Gray kind of thing, kind of bargain. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sorry, that was very out of left field. Today, as you know, we're do we're still on our theme of Christian music. Yay! Um, Christian music that Sarah hates. But today <laughs> we're doing a one-off of a song that Sarah cares about. I know it's ridiculous that I'm talking about myself in third person, but if we're looking Sarah at Hoff the title, talks about Sarah Hoff, 
<laughs> today, Sarah Hoff talks about what Sarah Hoff likes and refuses to listen to anything else. Yes. Um, but per, per Lara's request from our last episode, I have picked a song that I do like and is truthfully like very meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and Laura, do, I, do you need to listen to it? Do you know it? Oh, no, I know this song. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think so. And for you listeners, it is, um, it is well in my soul. But with I my soul. With my soul. Mm-hmm. I promise I actually like this song. <laughs> I promise I've actually heard this song before. Um, uh, so, yeah, so, I mean, it's a, it's a weird one, I think, mm-hmm. um, because there's a lot there's a lot in it that I disagree with. It's very much like of its time where it has this kind of like, um, you know, one truth kind of ideal idea about the world and about God. Like there is an objective truth in yeah. this society. And, um, and, and like the story behind it is kind of interesting. It's really tragic. The guy who wrote it, um, I don't know if you if you know this, but his name was Horatio Spafford, Spafford, Spafford. And um, he was just like a like a a business guy. He's a business guy. He was, uh, I think, a lawyer. Um, But he wrote the song after a few different like some very significant tragic events that happened. So first was the great. fire of of uh he was first was the great fire of chicago which decimated a lot of his livelihood so he was you know contracted with one of the factories that got burned down and so his business took a big hit um in chicago and then he like two years after that he and his family uh, planned to go to Europe and he stayed back because he had to do some family or some business stuff. And so his wife and his four daughters um, boarded a ship to Europe, which was then, um, which was then hit by another ship and the, and the boat drowned. It killed 226 people all of his children died and oh he gets a telegram from his wife that read saved alone. Can you imagine like, like that's gotta be so hard to just like, you know, you know, like you're piecing together like small bits of information. Cause it's not like how it is now where we get everything so immediately. And then to just get a t- telegram from your wife from, thousands of miles away and all it says is alone period so sad yeah like it's super tragic and I um I was looking on the uh library of congress website and they have a bit on it and apparently uh a fellow survivor of that collision of the SS Ville du Havre. Yep. Um, Pastor Weiss recalled Anna, um, who I think is the wife, saying, 
God gave me four daughters. Now they have been taken from me. Someday I will understand why. Can you imagine, like, can you imagine having to like work through that sense of like, why, why did this happen to me? No, I mean, no. And it's, it's, it's such a weird thing because the way that we look at it now is much more, is much more nuanced, I would maybe say. Whereas yeah. in that time, so much was, there was so much that we understand now that we didn't back then. And so it made a lot of sense to just kind of like leave things up to God. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what this song is about. It's like everything in his life that he's worked hard for and loves. Right. And just to pour like salt on the wound, the Spafford son, Horatio was born three years after that tragedy and then died at the age of four. Yeah. They so had, the hits just kept on coming. Yeah. They had a few, they had a few more kids. Um, Did any of them make it like to adulthood? Um, I think that, I think that uh, Bertha and Grace both made it. Good. Yeah. So, yeah. So they did, they, you know, and I don't, I mean, like, I don't know, I would, I would be curious about the whole like gender dynamic of like a father passing down his lineage to a son in that day and age that it might've been more significant. And then the son dies. It's, it's just a real tragedy, but you know what they did after that? What? They like, moved to Jerusalem and like worked with a nonprofit and he died of, uh, of, uh, I want to say malaria, but I want to check on that. Um, yeah, he died of malaria. Wow. Which is it's so wild. So like, I mean, like seriously considering that day and age, like he and his wife were true adventurers. Yeah. You know? And like, they didn't just like lay down and take it. They were just like, okay, now what? Now what yeah. are we going to do? Let's let's sit with our grief. Mm-hmm. And I was looking... Um, so after Horatio received Anna's telegram that she survived alone, um, Horatio immediately left Chicago to bring his wife home. And on the Atlantic crossing, uh, the captain of his ship called Horatio to his cabin to tell him that they were passing over the spot where his four daughters had perished. Can you imagine? Um, so he wrote, uh, and this is according to the Library of Congress, He wrote to Rachel, his wife's half-sister, quote, on Thursday last, we passed over the spot where she went down in mid-ocean, the water's three miles deep, but I do not think of our dear ones there. They are safe, folded, the dear lambs, end quote. Horatio wrote this hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, still sung today as he passed over their watery grave. Which I have to say, like, that is some solid grieving. Like, yeah. they, like he, he did the work of, of like, really deep grieving yeah. and processing this. Yeah, for sure. For sure. On a personal note, um, my grandfather passed away recently, and this was one of the hymns that was chosen. And it is a very moving thing to hear this. Um, you know, I've heard this hymn dozens of dozens and dozens of times, more than that. And it's very um, interesting to hear it in a funeral setting because you're kind of like, you know, it's like, it is well with my soul, but all these things are happening, these terrible things. And you're like, is it, 
you know, like, but then it's kind of like, it sort of encourages you on because you know, the person who wrote this was struggling too. And I think that's where the sense of authenticity comes from around this song is that it's, it wasn't, it wasn't meant to sell records. It wasn't meant to be flashy. It was like a deep lament. Mm -hmm. And so there's, there's like some real honesty behind it. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm sorry. Hey, you know, it was actually really beautiful that this was one of those hymns. Like I, I very much, I, re I really do like this hymn. And so I was pleased. I did not know that it had been included in the order of worship. And when it popped up, I was like, this yeah. is good. It's, it's, you know, it's kind of a, it's a fan fave for funerals. And, uh, and I'm, I'm always glad when it pops up. It always feels, um, very meditative to me. Yes. Um, and I guess if we're going with like, you know, there's a lot of other history there that we can talk about, but for, for me, like the reason why I picked this song is because it has like two very like clear, specific memories for me. Like one is being like, they're both being like a child. And one is like falling asleep or like, you know, getting drowsy in my mother's lap at, at during a church service and like mm. hearing her like stomach crumble and she's playing with my hair and it all feels very safe. Aww. And, um, and then the other is like, so growing up for reasons that I will never understand, my parents never listened to anything other than classical or like hymns. Um, and so my mom had this tape because we're children of the eighties. So we still listen to tapes mm -hmm. um, and it was, uh, I want to say like the London choir or something like that. And it was just a bunch of hymns. And so she would like have that on during just like the everyday kind of stuff. But it, but like the memory that it evokes is of like, like this weird, like very specific moment where like my sister and I slept in the same room and dad would read us stories every night. And um, like the memory is of like falling asleep, dad kissing me on my forehead and like hearing in the background, like this song and like the dishwasher going like, just so like, like it was just pure comfort and safety. Um, and I, I know, I know that the lyrics don't back that up exactly, but that's what it feels like. That's lovely. I liked it. Yeah. I mean, I think while, while this is frequently paired with funerals and, and death, I think that there is this sense of, I think you said it really well, this meditative quality of like, you know, this person's wrestling with grief and trying to say like, Hey, trials are going to come you know, um, like the third, the third stanza, you know, trials are, trials are going to come. Um, but you know, this blessed assurance control. So there's this sense of like, for this person's theology, that's for Horatio's theology, who's writing this, you know, he's saying like, these trials are going to come my way, but I have to give it up to God that God has control. Now the I, you know, our theology, my theology is way more nuanced than that. But I do think that part of working through anxiety is realizing that we don't have control over anything. Right? Yeah. 
And so however you do work through it, dealing with the control bit and saying like, look, I'm in a, I'm in a safe environment. I can work through my stuff is really important. And so, you know, it, it is kind of interesting to see someone, you know, I don't know what 150 years or more removed doing that work really remarkably well. Yeah. Yeah. And it still hits. Like, I think it still works. Yeah. I mean, I like, I, I had like a, a version queued up for you if you wanted to listen to it, but there were so many different versions that I kind of just like picked one because yeah. it's still, I mean, it's a legit classic. And yeah. that's kind of the thing is that like in the space of just, I mean, just absolute tragedy, just horrible tragedy. He is still, he still has hope. Yeah. And he still is like giving it over. I mean, like, I don't agree with the whole like nailing my sins to the cross kind of thing, right. but I get the idea of, you know, letting go of like making a decision to let go of like the negative things you've done in order to hope for a better future. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. It's like his version of that. Whereas yeah. you and I would word that differently. It's yeah. his version of that. And that's like really cool. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I'm so glad you picked this. Cause I do think that this is probably one of, one of the best hymns out there because the story behind it and the like, I mean, it's iconic. It, yeah. it really is. And it's beautiful. I think, I think it's one of those things you can like hear the story see how he wrote it and then like come to have this sense of immense respect for this person who was so um eloquent about I think externalizing their grief mm -hmm. yeah I think and like I think also um that's kind of a mark I think of a really like long lasting like a classic is that you don't need to hear the backstory to understand the meaning or understand yeah. like, the feeling of it. Right. Yeah. Um, tr tr truthfully, there have been a lot of pieces of art that I have looked at and I've been like, Oh, I can see a lot of depth in this. And then I like research it. And the artist is like, Oh, I just wanted to be like edgy. <laughs> yes. Like, oh, yes. That's a real bummer. <laughs> but this one For is like genuine. It's like from the soul. Yeah. And it, and I really feel like he communicates that. Like it's what, it's something that I always felt something whenever I heard this hymn. Yeah. Um, and what, what, once I heard the backstory, I feel like I realized why that there, that there was such an authenticity to this that wasn't there. I can't remember who told me this, but you know, the, um, in divinity school, I think it was in divinity school. I had had such a uh, disdain for contemporary Christian music because I had heard it in, you know, Christian high school and just felt like it was kind of manipulative. And, um, and I can't remember who said this, but that, that there was someone who had, they were friends with someone who had been in a Christian rock band and had said, had literally talked about how manipulative it was that they could just yeah. like increase the time, like the rhythm. And then people would start, you know, go into a frenzy and, and it was kind of this joke amongst the band. Well, I mean, um, do you remember that there was an HBO documentary that went like, I'm, I'm so old. Um, that was around when I was in college. So like the early 2000s mm -hmm. that was like, 
uh, I guess a little. I would have to go back and rewatch it because, I mean, it was like actually 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there was a, an evangelical preacher at the time that was really popular. I'm forgetting his name. Um, but if you said it, I would know it. Anyways, they they did like an analysis of how those services go down mm-hmm. or like how the uh, how they proceed I, I should say mm-hmm. and um and the whole thing is super manip- manipulative it's like yeah it, the whole industry is meant to you know really really like kind of like touch on your fear and your hope and your like sense of need for protection yeah um and so what they talk about what they did talk about in the documentary was like, you know, lulling the audience by like bringing down the lights and listening to this really calming music. And then like, it's a praise and worship and you get them all in these kind of like same hand gestures and things like that, which make them, which puts them in a more like susceptible kind of headspace. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, uh, and then they pass out the like donation, no cards yep yep and even the donation cards like start at like a high amount so it's like intended uh, to make the person feel guilty for asking you know for having to like enter in or other other amount yeah other amount. yeah <laughs> and, and 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 we see that you know with, with with christian music too where so like a, a song that i want to review later is um is he's like a worship song to God where it's like it's just them saying like uh, like I love you it's like a it's like a really like it's just too much it's too much it's too gen it's like too too much yeah and uh and and like yeah finding that balance between like sincerity and honesty and not being sketch with it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which I feel like, I feel like this guy hit perfectly. Cause it's yeah. like, this guy did, this guy wrote this. From the heart. From the heart. And that's, I feel like that's exactly how it should be. Right. It's not, uh, it's not made it like you read this and it doesn't feel manipulative. It reflects his theology, which I, you know, parts of it I might disagree with, but it, I, the the authenticity and the struggle the inner struggle of it being like this whole thing it is well with my soul it it very much feels like he's trying to almost will it to be so like I I have to be like can I be okay with this yeah right like he's saying it over and over like I really I really want to to keep moving I want to be able to put one foot in front of the other I want to be like I want to be able to move on as I cross this you know Atlantic and know that my four daughters are down there and I have to believe that they aren't down there anymore in order for me to go on. Can, yeah. can it be well with my soul? Like it, it almost sounds like as much as it, he's like emphatically repeating it, it almost sounds like it's a question as well um, mm-hmm. or a plea even. Yeah. Um, and the tone of the song, like if you, you know, encourage anyone that hasn't heard it to, you know, look it up and listen to it. It's very, like, it's very sul- sullen, right? It's very melancholy in tone, which I think matches this sense of like, you know, if someone's like, it is well with my soul, like you'd almost expect it to be upbeat. It is not, it is not, it is very not upbeat. And, 
And I feel like, you know, that kind of like, it is well, like, you know, it's a very kind of That's so low crazy. register, right? I mean, yes, I totally get what you're saying, but I've always like listened to it. Like to me, it would feel, it feels like a, uh, um, a song that we would sing at, um, what were the, what were the December Divinity School, um, Moravian? Oh, Love Feast. Yeah. It feels very like Love Feast where it is like, uh, it is kind, like how it feels. I know, I know that the lyrics don't necessarily reflect this, but it feels very meditative and very communal and like, like something like a like a bedtime story like something very like low-key and calming and um and safe I feel like this is I feel like the reason why I think it isn't um why I'm gonna push back on that a little bit is just right the lyrics are also like the lyrics are like nail my sins to a cross (laughs) Yeah, but it's all, like, it's all very, I feel like, um, I feel like it's, it's almost because it's in this sense of, like, uh, it's a little bit lower, right? Like, it's not high, it's not, like, I feel like the, the ones that are, like, you know, like, you think about joy to the world, it's, like, it's very, um, it's in a higher register, like, joy to the world, this is very, like, you know, when peace like a river like it's very um it's lower register it's much slower the tempo is so much slower that it's like kind of matching I can almost imagine how the the tone and tempo match this guy's feelings as he's doing this right and that that seems really authentic to me as much as the words are authentic to how he's feeling. The tempo matches his feelings as well, right? Like when when you're um, so I'm uh, for listeners who uh, may not know. I'm also a therapist, and so um, I was on staff a few years back at an agency, and um, was always fascinated to to be on staff with music therapists who would you know teach us what they do, and they were very much talking about how the tempo of what you play needs to match the mood of the person that you're in session with if you're a music therapist. And so if you, for instance, if you are feeling sad and someone puts on Pharrell's happy, you wanna punch him in the face because you're like, that's not how I feel right now. I need to feel validated in my sadness. So you would much want to put on, much more wanna put on a sad, slower song to help that person feel validated. And then maybe, maybe ramp up the tempo as you go on with session. but. If you think about it, when you feel like shit, you don't play a happy song. When you feel like shit, you play an angry song or a sad song because it helps you feel validated. Okay, go with, go with me here. Yeah, going with you. I'm there right there with you. So I think a big part of why it feels comforting is because there's like, it's out of my control aspect to it. Like it's yep. a, it's like a giving up of the circumstances. Sure. And uh, I don't know. I mean, as a kid, I was very depressed all the time. Yeah. Um, 
And this kind of song would definitely still does and would have been like helped with those anxieties. Oh, that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's why it felt so comforting to me because it was like, well, this is out of my control. Yeah. You needed a song with a sad tempo that told you that things were out of your control and you didn't have to worry about it. Yeah. That's awesome. Look at it. Look at it, little baby. Look at that. It's a little bit of music therapy there. (laughs) You were just giving yourself some music therapy. No big deal. Oh, man. So much for the therapist this week. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah will report back in a mini episode about how that therapy went. No, just kidding. (laughs) I'll just go ahead and record it and then just like put it online. and Everybody's going to be like, I'm so embarrassed for you, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) I can totally see you walking into your therapist and being like, look, I'm just going to record this if that's cool with you, which it will not be. Um, but- <laughs> Listen, here's the thing. I'm hella fucked up. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Can I record this and put it online? <laughs> Thank you. I, just, I, I, I need other people to tell me what I'm feeling because I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> right it's so much easier it's so much easier to figure out what other people are feeling than what ourselves are feeling as it yeah. turns out that's yeah. that's the truth of being human that's this is totally off topic yes but yeah we'll go ahead and record this anyways sure um bonus, con- bonus uh-huh. content <laughs> bonus content i i've been like coming to like I can't quite explain it, but I feel like my body knows my emotional state better than I do, better than like my mind does. Yep. Yeah. And um, I find myself like coming to an understanding of like how I feel and then look back on the last few months and then like, oh, that's why I did all of those things. Yeah. Like over the holidays, I realized I was super depressed and then I looked back and I was like oh that's why I ordered Postmates like basically every night and drank (laughs) way more and only watched movies and like just was just practiced all of the unhealthy yeah things absolutely I felt like our body clues us in yeah more than our mind does on how we feel so many times yeah Um, also with like you know we we carry stress in different parts of our body and so like for me it's my stomach and if I have a lot of stomach problems or if I feel tense there a lot of times if I kind of like scan my body during the day of like wait why am I so tense oh I must be anxious and then I kind of like have to stop myself and do some breathing and then be like okay like yeah yeah. it's hard though like it's hard to feel connected to my body Yes. That is not yes. something that like Christian religion promotes. <laughs> no. <Nope. laughs> At all. No, it does not. No, and Sarah, because your body's sinful. And so it's like even wilder that he had the like strength of mind to be able to like put this really tragic visceral experience. I mean, I'm I'm really shoehorning this in here. Yeah. <laughs> but um, do it. Shoehorn it in. But yeah, like he you know, was expressing something that's a very visceral um, feeling in a way that is like hundreds of years later still resonates with us. And that is timeless. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. 
Um, and that can only happen when you have those, those like really deeply bodily, emotionally truthful moments. Absolutely. Well said, Sarah. I want to give you the last line on that. I feel like that was gorgeous. <laughs> the last line is going to be, that's gorgeous. Oh, I guess that's it's going to be whatever I say right now. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> uh, the last line is never mind. <laughs> the last line will never be the last line because it always has to be the last line. <laughs> I feel like we've all learned something tonight. Yeah. <laughs> None of it's useful in everyday society, but you know, the more you know, and then star fade. Absolutely. Folks, we want to hear from you. We are on Twitter at Bible Bitches. We're on Facebook on our Bible Bitches fan page. We want to hear what hymns really get you going. Yes. What hymns you really hate, songs, let us know. We want to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and your, your songs might end up appearing on our show. Um, let us know. Truthfully, I would love to hear uh, somebody take, because a lot of these hymns, a lot of these Christian songs and hymns are Bible verses that they put to music, essentially. So mm-hmm. I would love to, for you, dear reader, listener, to put a, like, a really horrifying a passage to song maybe something about uh lot's daughters who rape him oh yeah or um or um the concubine who gets dismembered yes the concubine who gets dismembered yeah yeah I just mean, to a to a lute oh, to a, to, oh yeah <laughs> that's the only instrument involved is a lute or um oh gosh which which one is it which minor prophet is it where it's like um go live a life of boredom <laughs> i can just imagine go live a life that, of boredom no, i feel like that needs to be like some sort of like high energy like hip-hop <laughs> rap you know kind of thing like live a life of boredom live a life of boredom <laughs> You know, that's one where I could hear a lot of remixes. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. That's the party, that's the party bash of summer 2021. I want to hear the hip hop version that gets translated into the like pop country version. Oh god. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm Basically, do something that we want to see Taylor Swift do a cover up. <laughs> Uh, conveniently, my dog Griffin is licking his balls right now. He um, is. I feel uncomfortable. Like I truthfully feel uncomfortable watching that. Yeah, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna conveniently put my chair in front of that. I felt like he got really too into that cover. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because he's not licking it. He's licking it like gently. Yes. It was yes. not. It was not yes. an itch lick. <laughs> he always licks it gently, and that really bothers me. If I'm being honest. <laughs> Like if he was an adult, he would be wearing like an ascot and drinking brandy <laughs> while slowly licking himself. And you're like, mm, I don't feel good about this. I feel really bad about this. Yeah. Stop it. Yeah. All right. Um, yes. So find us on Facebook and Twitter. We want to do a massive shout out to at Yo Eves. Miss Eves does our intro and outro music. Mm-hmm. Um, at Aaron Doodles um, does our artwork. Um, Thank you so much. We appreciate it. It's lovely. Um, 
and uh find us on spotify itunes um soundcloud google something i don't know (laughs) google i think uh stitcher (laughs) stitcher yeah soundcloud did we say soundcloud all the things i I did say (laughs) anyway a lot of new things are coming up this season we're really excited about them um and you know and we're going to be at the wild goose i don't know when, be when this wild goose. i'm dropping but yeah so excited about that yeah all right see you next time folks all right thank you we love you bye bye